Hey guys, Anna Victoria here, and I'm so excited for you to join me on my podcast, Your Best Life. I'm the CEO and founder of the FitBody app, a fitness influencer, and a personal trainer. Every week, I'm going to have a special guest that will share their unique experience and unique story to share how they learned how to live their best life, even if they're still working on it, since we are all a work in progress. I can't wait to help you learn how to create your best life. Welcome back to another episode of Your Best Life. Anna Victoria here, and I have Luca with me. Hi, everyone. So today, our guest is Dr. Andrea Ospina, who is a published author and an international speaker on the topics of joint health, movement and mobility development, sports performance, and injury management. He is the creator and head instructor for Functional Range Release Soft Tissue Management System and the Functional Range Conditioning Mobility Development System. He also hosts the podcast, Control Yourself with Dr. Andreo Spina. So Luca, what are you most curious to hear Dr. Spina talk about? Stretching, the role of stretching and yeah. overall mobility and how do you implement it in your workout routine? Is it a good thing, good practice, back practice, right. stuff like that? Well, because I feel like stretching has kind of become controversial. Like some people say do it, some say don't, some say yeah. it's super beneficial, some say it's the worst thing you can right. do, etc. So, um, so yeah, I, and just to preface this for everyone, um, the reason why I even know about kin stretch and this whole approach that we're going to be talking about is because my best friend is a kin stretch instructor. And honestly, like when I started seeing her kind of get into this, I was like, what, what is this? Like, I've never heard of this type of approach to body work, you know? And, um, yeah, so I, I won't go into too much detail and reveal too much just yet. I'll let Dr. Spina do that. And so here is my conversation with Dr. Andrea Spina. Hi, Andreo. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I am very well. Thank you for having me, Anna. Of course. Um, do you want to start by sharing a bit about who you are and what you're about? Who would I, that's a long question. I, right. Um, yeah. what, what I'm about, maybe I'll leave that out and have you pull it out of me, but who I am. Uh, I'm, my name is Dr. Andreo Spina. Um, I am, uh, wow, where do I start? I'm a father, let's start there, uh, of three kids and, uh, and married to a beautiful wife. Um, but less importantly, uh, I am a sport chiropractor. Um, on top of that, I've developed um, systems um, as to how to increase body control and how to preserve uh, joint or articular health, as, as we call it. And I've been um, traveling around the world and teaching those systems um, to whoever has been interested in learning. Um, and I guess that brings me to this point here. Yeah. Yeah. And so those systems, so there's uh, functional range systems. And yep. so there's FRS and FRC. Are those essentially the same thing? Um, it's, you know what, it's just a matter of having created them over a time period and not having all of my acronyms in an order (laughs) prior to, to, to doing it. So, um, in a nutshell, functional range systems kind of, uh, describes my entire approach to assessing, caring for, and improving the humanness of homo sapiens that are put in front of me. So all of that is functional range systems. And if you break it down, uh, functional range conditioning really deals with the uh, increasing body control and joint health um, through training. Then there's functional range release, which is a manual therapy system. Uh, kin stretch, which is a, a body practice uh, that you might know about. Uh, and then functional range assessment, which is my way of assessing. So if you think if you think of it as like a large thought process and then breaking it up into weekends and then putting acronyms on the weekends so that it kind of makes sense, but really it's all one system. Yeah, great. Yeah. And yeah. how did you get started in creating these? What was, where where did that need come from? Um, so when I was in chiropractic school, um, in the th- fourth year, which is your clinic year, I um, was lucky enough to um, be allowed to teach in the cadaver labs. So I would teach the, the uh, lower grades, so to speak, uh, the first years and second years and third years in the cadaver lab. So it, it all started off with, when I was studying to be a chiropractor, you're taught uh, dead person anatomy. You're kind of caught, taught cadaver anatomy. You're taught two-dimensional anatomy by use of textbooks. And it's not just in chiropractic. We have a great anatomy program, actually. But in, in medical school, in chiropractic school, physiotherapy school, you're taught a very um, dead version of what anatomy is. And the problem was when I got into my fourth year or more clinic year and per- somebody put an actual living person in front of me, 
uh, all of that anatomy knowledge that I had that I could recite, like I could recite the names of the smallest nerves and all of these things. When you put it all together into a functioning human being, uh, there's an oh shit moment, pardon my French, (laughs) which is, oh my God, there's a lot more to anatomy of a living person and and we didn't learn it as such. So my first venture uh, was to go back into anatomy and try to uh, think of a way that would be more palatable to a manual therapist. So instead of teaching, you know, if I remove all of these pieces and here's a nerve and, you know, you put a, a pin in the nerve and you name the nerve, that doesn't help me as a practitioner. If I have your arm in my hand, I have to find the ulnar nerve and I have to know exactly what's the ulnar nerve in relationship to the flexor carpi ulnaris and, and I can go on and on, uh, but you're not taught that way. So the first thing I started doing was teaching uh, anatomical palpation um, to therapists. And then from there, I suppose people liked the approach I was taking because the, the next natural question was, well, if you palpate it or feel it and assess it this way, well, how do you treat it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was still a, a student at this time. So I, I, and I'm, I hope that comes across. I'm not a very arrogant person. So mm-hmm. instead of just thinking about how I wanted to do it, I decided to take a dive into the scientific literature And when I mean a dive, I mean the scientific revolution is about five to 600 years old. So I thought to myself, if I want to answer the question, how do I manage another human being with manual therapy best? I'm going to need to take a bird's eye view of a lot of literature over the last five to 600 years. So you imagine doing this bird's eye view, deep dive into literature, and the system of treatment came out of the research. So I'm just really putting together all of the stuff in the research that I thought made the most sense. And I interpreted it in, in my brain, in my lens, and then I spit it out. Well, this is how I treat people. And then from there, somebody said, well, if you treat people like this, you know, how do you train them? And I've been a lifelong martial artist and I've been training people for many, many years. Um, and I especially was specialized in, in increasing people's active ranges of motion and the usability of their meat wagon, so to speak, of their body. <laughs> um, so people start saying, how do you train them? So I had my methods, but I decided to once again do a deep dive into the research. And then really all of the systems are myself going into research and then interpreting it because in my profession, there's there's room for interpretation. Uh, not everything is laid out in randomized controlled trials, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so it's just my interpretation. That's how I start off all of my seminars with that exact uh, idea that I'm just consuming research and I'm interpreting it in my lens and then I'm spitting back at everyone what I think is the best thing to do. And luckily enough, people were actually interested in my opinion and here we are. Yeah, well, I was gonna say, you know, you do present it in a very nonchalant, like kind of no big deal way, but kin stretch is like a whole movement and like it's becoming, I would say like a, an entirely new approach to mobility. Would you agree? Um, I suppose it's hard to answer these questions because I don't know how it is that other people do it. And if it's not, and again, this comes from a, a, not an arrogant idea, but when someone's in front of me, there's just very obvious things that I think a trainer or a therapist Mm -hmm. or a doctor needs to know about them. Um, And to me, it's just like, if you don't know those things, then I don't know how you proceed. Like I've never really met you. Right. So if you say, what's the five best glute exercises for me, it's like, I've met you, you know, you know, over this crazy magical thing, <laughs> yeah. but I've, I don't know your, your hip. So right. I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, so yeah, kin stretch is a, it's a body practice, which I always tell people to, if, to better understand it, it's a body practice that allows you to practice you. Yeah. So when you go to a yoga uh, class, for example, and love yoga, of course, but when you go to a yoga class, people have to understand that you're, you're learning to get better at what yoga is. And yoga is not Anna. Yoga is yoga, which was made for the betterment of yoga. And it just so happens that some side effects of yoga are, you know, it might be good for your shoulder. It might be good for your spine. The reason why I created kin stretch is the word might, because it might not be good for your shoulder and it might not be good for your spine. But as a homo sapien, considering that we don't get as much movement nutrition as our genome dictates, I think that everyone deserves and requires a body practice. You have to I say I said it earlier, you have to practice your meat wagon um, often. And if you consider what we are as a species, which is really a hunting gathering species, that's when our genome was formed. It tells us that we should be moving way more often. 
um, and in very specific ways that are not accounted for when you're put in a preconceived pose, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes complete sense. And I have to yeah. say, my entire introduction into Ken Stretch and FRCs through my best friend. Her name is okay. Kasha Galica. She's a oh, kinstruct. Oh, I know her. She's yeah. a wonderful instructor. I yes, know. of course. She's amazing. Not only because she's my best friend, I think she's amazing, but but everything that she shares, like I'm learning so much through her. Yeah. And she now is in Chicago. You know, and I've been in, I was in LA um, for a few years. And so mm-hmm. I hadn't seen her that often in person, but the few times we were together in person, she's like, I'm going to go, you know, do all these things with you. And I loved it. Um, but my, what I felt like was, you know, I, I feel like I need to do this in person with you. Is mm-hmm. this something that do you think could be taught? Cause for me, I share a lot of my knowledge on Instagram. And so that mm-hmm. does go to a mass market. And like you were mm-hmm. saying, and, and of course, as a personal trainer, I'm aware that a lot of things, you know, like the answers should always be, it depends, <laughs> right. You sure, know, like sure, on, of course. <laughs> on a yeah. lot of questions, but sure. you know, um, is can stretch something that you think could be shared just kind of at some level to a general kind of, you know, amount of advice or information, or do you think that this is something that needs to be one-on-one? It's, it's both. It's just to the extent that you want to learn. I, I, I believe that as, as homo sapiens, we're not given enough information as is required to maintain ourselves. Right. So that's, that's the first thing. So when people say, you know, there's, is there a general approach? I think that if I had people in a room who have never studied biology and never studied any kind of you know, manual therapy or, or doctorate program, I can explain what they need based on the species they are. So I teach everyone, but I really am specific in teaching in, uh, trainers to train other people. Uh, I don't know if I'm getting at, at the answer. Now, generally, the general premise of learning to use your body, um, you can go deep into the cellular, you know, analysis of your body and what cells do. And I encourage manual therapists, doctors and trainers who study with me to do that. Or you can, if you were to take a seminar, you can listen to what I'm saying and you can interpret it at whatever level you need to. And you'll really realize that what I'm trying to do is to teach people about themselves. Yeah. And your your best friend, who's a great kin stretch yeah. instructor, one of the things about kin stretch, which is, uh, I think, profound, and it's not because of me, of course, it's because of the great instructors that we have, is that when you go to a class, let's say a yoga class or a Pilates class, the purpose of you going there is to get that out of the person. I want to get the yoga out of you. So what do you get out of kin stretch? You get an education as to how to maintain who and what you are through time. And, and I think that's really what is, what is, I don't know if it's separating us, but it's, it's really allowing us to teach at another level People always say, you know, can you dumb it down? But there's no need to because people are generally very smart. And as long as it's explained properly, people right. do understand. And it's everyone's responsibility too, as well. Uh, and I have no way around that. Having said that, I'm all great for general exercises for, for mass consumption. I'm just not the person to do that per se. Uh, I like to take people and, and give them what I think is a mandatory um, education in themselves. Yeah. You know, I, I, like I have kids, for example, and th- yeah. they're not allowed to not know themselves, both physically and mentally. Right. Yeah. I don't distinguish the two. There's no such thing as a physical or mental pursuit. There's only both. Mm. Right? Yeah. Well, and if I can be completely honest, I completely agree. I think that people need to take more responsibility in knowing mm-hmm. their bodies and taking care of their bodies and moving their bodies. But from what I see, a lot of people, they're just like, I just want to be told to do ABC. The Absolutely. End. They want very little thought to go into it. And hey, I get 100%. it. I, you know, I just had a baby seven weeks ago, you know, and I, yeah, thank you. And like now as I'm like going back into my, like, no, my postpartum recovery, like I found myself, I'm obviously very overwhelmed and very busy right now with a newborn. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I just need to be told, what do I do for C-section recovery? You know, like, and like, I don't have as much time to research and this and that. Mm -hmm. So, so anyways, going off on a bit of a tangent here, but just, you know, what do you suggest for, for those cases where people are either time poor or they just kind of don't have the, the, you know, capacity to take in all the time and the information that they need to, to um, enhance their mobility. For sure. Um, and I hope I didn't come across as too uh, elitist there oh, by saying not at that, all. That, it's just what I concentrate no. on. I, I of course encourage all of our instructors in Kinstretch to, to do yeah. these things. Now yeah. I would say that the most effective thing that I can tell someone is I can teach them a little bit about the process of themselves 
and then they'll understand why I'm giving the recommendation. Like when you say, what are the five best glute exercises? That's not my, my job. But what I will tell people yeah. is if you study the human body, one thing that is absolutely clear to me and to most therapists and trainers, I would think, is that the preservation of joint spaces is the most important outcome measure that determines how tight your muscles are, how loose you feel, how much I don't want to say how much pain you're in because pain is very complicated, but yeah. how well you function is is really directly determined by how well you preserve your joints. So the first thing I try to teach people is to not have a muscular focus, so to speak. Mm. Uh, muscles are, are the, the things we see, and of course, they're the, yeah. the, the things that we want to see, so they become the most important thing. Uh, but when you're taking care of yourself, or if you're training another person, all of their output is determined by how good their joints are. So one thing I tell people is that we don't move our joints as much as we are supposed to based on how our genome was put together. So if we back this up, um, humans have been this type of human, homo sapien, for maybe 100 to 200,000 years, which is not a long time, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. And if you think about what was forging our genome at that time, we were living a hunter-gatherer lifestyle. So all of our joints got so much more nutrition and movement than, than we can afford right now. Mm -hmm. So what I encourage people to do is to inject the movement back into your day. Um, so we have something called controlled articular rotations or CARS, which would be the, you know, the, the most well-known thing in the system. And we use CARS um, for a bunch of things to assess people and determine what they can and cannot do. But from a perspective of, I want to keep myself healthy, what CARS do is it purposefully makes you move all of your joints throughout an entire range of motion every day, multiple times a day. So there's routines that you can find online, the morning routine, the car's morning routine. This is not hard to find on, uh, you, can, you can ask your friend to send yeah, you one because right. she has great ones online, yeah. right? Um, and, and, and they're just very simple exercises from the perspective of the, of the user. From, from my perspective as a, as a doctor, they tell me so much information. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing your cars and you feel there's something wrong, of course, I would ask you to get assessed. But just moving your joints purposefully every single day it really is the way joints maintain health. There's no other way to keep a joint healthy other than to move it. You can have the best nutrition and you can inject glucosamine and fish oils right into your shoulder. If you can't move the joint, that joint starts to deteriorate. Now, even more important to understand is people think they're moving their joints specifically because let's say, for example, they get up in the morning and they're doing, they do a flow routine right? They, they go from here to here. They do, this is great. And I don't want to discourage this, but what I will tell people is if you're just flowing around, you're only really moving the joints into the positions that you like to move them into. And that's why it's coming out. And from a, a body perspective, my shoulder doesn't care about the movement per se. It cares how much shoulder movement came out of that movement. So if I'm flowing around, I can move my whole body and compensate for my shoulder. But if I'm strictly only trying to move my shoulder, it's a more specific process of making sure all of your movable bits are healthy. And then the more healthy your movable bits are, the less <laughs> tightness you feel, the less you know muscle tension you feel. Um, so yeah, a lot of people that get on a stretching routine, they feel, I'm still tight after three weeks, four weeks, one year, two years. I have some people, I meet them one year, their calves are tight. I meet them six years later. How are your calves? They're still tight. Or what are you doing for it? The same thing I've been doing for six wow. years, right? Yeah. And, and really what they should be doing is improving the health of their joints so that the body is, it feels more confident that it's okay to relax my muscles. Right. Well, and I, actually, so a car's routine. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually have several questions, um, not on stretching per se, but just kind of like how, like, Let's just start with, you know, should we be stretching, period? What you think of it in a traditional sense of stretching, is that something that you think is conducive to helping our body move better throughout the day or or preparing for a workout? Okay, so there's those are two different questions. Yeah. So the answer to should we stretch is 100% yes. The answer to should I stretch prior to a workout is, I'm not going to say 100%, let's say 97% yeah. no, okay? okay? And the reason being is that when you stretch, you temporarily decrease the amount of force that your muscle can absorb. And injury, if you really boil it down to a, the, the very basics of injury, it's a mathematical equation. If the amount of force going into your, your tissue exceeds the amount of force your tissue can absorb, mm -hmm. the tissue 
breaks under the force. So when you stretch, you temporarily decrease the amount of force you can absorb. So it's not recommended that you stretch and then do something where you're potentially absorbing force. Um, And the research is pretty clear on that. It demonstrates that stretching right before a training does not decrease your chances of injury and it may actually increase it. Having said that, stretching at other times is absolutely conducive to maintaining a healthy human being, considering how most human beings live. And again, if we were hunter-gatherers, I don't think that stretching Mm -hmm. needs to be injected. But then again, hunter-gatherers never got up in the morning and said, I'm going to go for a jog for my cardiovascular health either. It was just, that was how they lived, right? So yes, stretch. Think about timing though, for sure. What about post-workout stretching? Uh, Post-workout stretching, again, I have nothing wrong with that. Stretching is a workout in my life Mm -hmm. um, because I don't, I, I tend to never prescribe or advise only passively stretching the body. So when I stretch the body, we do uh, end range isometric work, which is Mm -hmm. body contractions at end range as well. Um, And and that's just another training stimulus. So again, I don't separate my training from my stretching because my stretching is my training and vice versa. But for general people, if I was Mm -hmm. to give advice, I would say stretch throughout the day, probably give it a break an hour or two before you're going to work out or maybe a little more and then stretching after is is a much better idea got it great now how about foam rolling okay so i just to say you know like uh kasha shared with me one time you know some some concepts on foam rolling and how it might not be as you know necessary or helpful you know as it has been presented over the last few years so what 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 are your thoughts on foam rolling and in regards to helping improve our mobility the human species has been has maintained a pretty good amount of health without randomly smushing ourselves into mm. inanimate objects. Okay, <laughs> so uh, the the thing is with the body, what we know from research to to be a hundred percent true is that passive inputs. Can, I'll explain this a little bit in a bit, but passive inputs lead to passive results, and active inputs lead to active results. So we go back to stretching. If you just passively stretch, so just sit there and relax into your stretch, mm-hmm. you're not really signaling to your body or you're not, you're not signaling hard enough for your body to change because your body wants to just maintain the norm, don't spend too much energy unless right. necessary. So you have to force it to change. So when you're foam rolling, it's a passive process. So you can't expect to actively learn how to use more and more ranges of motion in your body by passively smushing yourself against a foam roller. Having said that, um, it does seem to decrease pain temporarily. Uh, So does doing this and so does doing this and so does digging my (laughs) fist into there. So for my patients, it's a beautiful tool. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a great tool. I tend to use the foam roller as an awareness tool or or tennis balls or um, Mm -hmm. or, uh, lacrosse balls. So when you're sitting there rolling into a, a blunt object, maybe pause for a few seconds and see mm-hmm. if you can just swell your muscle into the ball, right? So in other words, I'm, you know, I put a ball back here and I'm lying down on it and I'm, you know, meditating and breathing and trying to relax. I would say just relax so much that you want to absorb the ball into your body. So you're relaxing and then just see if you can find it and just kind of inflate the muscles and squeeze them out. So you're mm-hmm. actively learning how to use the muscle. So if a muscle's right. tight and you're, you're actively comparing this is what it feels like to be tight. Now, this is what happens when I relax. Your body will tend to always go towards relaxing unless there's an underlying issue. So foam rolling, it's uh, go ahead and use it. It's probably not doing anything to you per se other than decreasing pain. I would probably reserve it for after training as well uh, because it does tend to trick your body into thinking you have more range of motion than you do. If I smush my hamstrings, for example, I can automatically get a little bit more range of motion, but that's an artificial range. I didn't have that before smushing my hamstrings. So now going and squatting with hamstrings that have just recently been smushed might not be the best idea either. Just like stretching before that is probably not the best idea either. Right. So it's yes and no again. <laughs> it right, depends. of course. Yeah. Yeah. If you're asking me, I don't use it other than for teaching clients to locate areas of their body, learn how to contract. I, I'm really a fan of teaching people more about themselves physically. Mm-hmm. And one thing, just rolling does not, it doesn't do that. But rolling right. with contractions, rolling with moving. Got it.
So there's a, there's more of an intention behind the foam roller. Absolutely. Okay. And what you're describing to me, it sounds like um, helping people establish that mind-muscle connection between mm-hmm. that specific body part. Would you say that's, that's an accurate way to describe how you use the foam roller on a very basic level? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. On a very basic level, the same reason that I, that I use cars, right? Yeah. Uh, the reason that your body has a nervous system is to produce complex and adaptable movements, right? So when you move, that's how your body learns about its environment. So you're, you're moving and you're, you're really teaching your brain uh, about what's going on and what you need for the future. So whatever I'm doing, when you add activity to it, uh, a mindful practice of whatever you're doing, you're increasing the mind body connection again is, is weird because in my mind, the, the meat of the body is just what the nervous system grows so that it can learn about its environment. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so it's the same stuff. It's just a tool the nervous system uses to learn about the environment. So getting back to what we were saying before, you want to maintain the tool and you want to continue to use the tool so that the signal keeps coming up to the brain. If you don't use your, let's say you put your, your like we all do, we put our, our foot in a shoe for you know a very large percentage of the day. Well, that effectively dampens the amount of information coming from your foot getting to your brain or to your spinal cord. And after time, your brain, for I guess I could say, it, it starts to forget that you have feet. Like if yeah. you give it a nice supportive shoe, your brain doesn't have to maintain a foot anymore because you have an artificial foot. And then I have clients come in and I say, lift your big toe. And they look at their foot like it's an alien. <laughs> and, and, that, and, and, you know, and putting an orthotic in is, is going to, it's not going to help the long run of the, you have to remind the body about what's the information you have to update the meat, make sure the meat is healthy because that's what feeds back information. Right. And this actually brings me to my next question. I wanted to talk about ankle stuff. So I say, yeah. So how do you approach the ankle in terms of prevention and increasing mobility? I see this as a something that I see a lot in the kin stretch world. Okay. So to increase the mobility of the ankle, this kind of gets technical, but when people are using an ankle, most people think the ankle is just like a hinge that goes Mm -hmm. back and forth like this. So there's only two ways to train this. People say I can only train it that way, or I can only Mm -hmm. train it this way. But the reality of the ankle is that the ankle is not just a hinge because every time you hinge down, you what we call invert. And every time you come up, you evert. So as you can see, the ankle, as opposed to being a linear joint, is actually a rotational joint. Almost all joints in the body, minus the ones of the spine and some other ones, are rotational joints. Rotation is really the basis of of joint motion other than the spine. Um, So when you're trying to increase ankle dorsiflexion, which is usually what people want, they want to be able to bend back more. A lot of people, when they go into a stretch, they realize that the range limiter is not really the calf muscle back here. It just feels like the joint doesn't move. And that's mostly because people only train it this way instead of training it this way. So inversion and eversion, if you imagine you're standing and we're, you're looking at my foot straight on, training the feet to come out and training the feet to come in is more important, in my opinion, than just continuously training those, those feet to come up. So when an athlete comes to me or when a client comes to me and, and they need more ankle extension or dorsiflexion for squatting, for lunging, right. for anything, um, usually it's they've only been doing it this way and then we give them drills to kind of allow their ankle to do that. And that could mean leaning into one way and then while leaning, we may push into a pad this mm-hmm. way the ankle that way, push into a pad that way. Again, if you look up ankle exercises, FRC, uh, or if you go onto Instagram, you'll find a a, a bunch of these, but that's a a real big tip for people because ankle dorsiflexion is a huge one. Everyone wants more. People work on it forever and get nowhere. Right. Well, and that's why I want to ask about it because I do think that in the kind of more traditional, just, you know, workout world, you know, people Mm -hmm. really ignore, I mean, they ignore most all of their joints, right? But, you know, like sure, also sure. The, the ankle and how much that impacts, like, for example, their squats and things like that. So, yeah, I would put it one further into your big toes. And yeah, and that can that can affect almost everything working its way up. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, who would you say is like the I don't want to say ideal person to, to do uh, kin stretch? I think I, I'm sure that you would say everyone, but mm. who do you generally see? Is this something that is like you're a stay at home mom that 
comes in or is it typically more athletes? Okay, so uh, this gets into philosophy. Yeah. Every human being is an athlete, whether or not they want to express that athleticism is up to them. Um, but back in the hunter-gatherer days, if you, again, I don't want to be blunt, but if you weren't yeah. an athlete, you'd be a liability and mm -hmm. you'd be gone because right. you, you, you would not be a useful member of the tribe. Yeah. So, I mean, athletes are just people who, who tend to, you know, try to express athleticism. So going back to what you were saying, because of that, I, I don't really, there is no difference. So I can run a kin stretch class and I have where I have professional athletes right beside, uh, you know, mothers or right beside an office worker who's 60 yeah. years old and might be a little bit overweight. Um, it's all in the teaching, but the good thing about kin stretch once again, is that you're training internally. We obviously, we often make this distinction when I teach that there's external training and there's internal training, external training. If you give an exercise a name, like I'm going to do a lunge, I'm going to do a squat. That's a preconceived, um, conscious idea as to how to move. It's external because the goal is doing the squat or doing the lunge. Whereas kin stretch training takes the emphasis off of external displays of strength and puts the focus back into yourself. So if you're training and you're a professional athlete, let's say I'm working with a, one of my Cirque du Soleil performers, their leg might be all the way up here and wrapped around their head six times and they're activating tissue at that range of motion. And then I might have someone who's postpartum or someone who doesn't have that kind of range of motion and they're just gonna be at a different angle doing the same thing. Um, so it really, you get out of it, it's cliche, but you, it's you, you're training yeah. you. So if you can't do this, then you do something else and we work around it. If you're a professional athlete, you might drive more force into your tissue because that's what you need. Whereas if I'm working with someone postpartum, we don't want to be driving a ton of force. So we're going to bring it all the way back down. But it's it's a real specific, it's a group class, but it, it emphasizes specificity of training. Got it. And mm -hmm. what is the reason why so many people are having mobility issues and such a limited range of motion? Is it just the world that we live in today is engineered for the least possible movement, the maximum convenience? Uh, yeah. If we look at civilized society, quote unquote, it's not normal, right? It's This is not this, we're not supposed to be doing this, right? Just like we're really not supposed to be interacting or maintaining relationships with more than like 150 people. And we have relationships with millions of people mm. now. Like this, right. it, it's not, civilization now is, is highly mismatched from our genetic being. Uh, and, and that's why we have so many things that we, we many smart people call mismatch diseases where we, we live as we live now, but we're using these, bodies that are only adapted to live a hundred thousand years ago. Um, I don't even remember the question. What was the question? Sometimes <laughs> um, I just go yeah, off. Yeah, on no, of course. Like, likewise. <laughs> yeah. So just like, you know, because there's so, I, I, I'll just say that I feel like mobility is a, a oh, buzzword okay. right now, you know, sure, and, and sure. why, why are we seeing this increase sure. in the need? Okay. Yeah. So that, I think a lot of that's a definition problem because mobility just mm -hmm. means having control over ranges of motion. And the goal is to have as much range of motion as you need for your life. So it's always been needed. This is not a new concept. It's just that people didn't think of it that way. Um, and I think that now people are starting to reevaluate what mobility is. I mm -hmm. hope to have contributed to that because yeah. it's not about being bendy and it's not about, you know, doing the split and putting it on Instagram and getting likes as, as much as that yeah. releases serotonin and makes <laughs> us happy. Really it's about controlling the body because that's what your job is. And that's what the job of trainers is, is it, we, we layer all of these, the, oh, no, the job of a trainer is to make you do a muscle up or you have to Olympic lift or you have to, you know, do ring work or you have to do CrossFit. You have to, no, you have to maintain your homo sapienness. Yeah. And then you can add to it whatever flavors you want. If you want to do CrossFit, you can do that. If you want to do hockey, you can do that. But whatever you choose to do, you are doing it with you. So external displays of strength occur because of an accumulation of internal creation of strength. Mm. So you have to really put the focus on what do you need for training? 
right? Right. And, and mobility is a constant need. You always have to have as much range of motion as you want to use because by definition, you can't move into ranges of motion that you, you can't move into. Right. Right. And if I can't lift my arm over my head, it's mm -hmm. probably a bad idea to start doing overhead pressing with weights because then people hurt themselves and they go, I don't understand what happened. And I go, well, you're doing this with weight. And I say, just do that on your own. And they get their, their arm to here and then their entire spine starts to extend. And then I say, well, if you can't do it with no load, then what makes you think loading it is a good idea? Yeah. If you want to make that general, here's a good tip for everyone. Train using your body first. Body weight is, is, is perfectly good enough. There, your body doesn't know if a force is coming from a weight or from yourself, right? And most people don't have control of themselves. So to ask them to control an external object isn't even fair. So if you're a trainer out there listening to this, when someone comes to see you, find out what they can do with themselves and then challenge them to control themselves before controlling external weight. Good example, if I'm training a female client, female client might really want to do a pull-up. That might be a, a real big yeah. goal. It's amazing to see the goal happen. But what I don't do is automatically put bands under them so I can cheat them up into a pull-up. Because what's the goal? The goal is not a pull-up. The goal is to use the pull-up to train your body, right? So if your body doesn't match what is needed for a pull-up, then don't do the pull-up yet. Mm -hmm. Get your body there and then do the pull-up. Absolutely. And uh, how do you suggest for someone who maybe has young kids? How, how old are your children, by the way? Okay, I have three. I have, my daughter is 12, <laughs> turning 13 in a few days. Uh, my son's nine, turning 10. And my little guy is uh, six, turning seven. Okay, amazing. Yeah. So yeah. what type of movement do you think kids should be doing? I find that most parents don't realize that their kids are part of a species called Homo sapien. Okay. <laughs> And, and not to be insulting, again, when I say that people don't have enough information, I, I, it's not their fault. It's just right. what's given to them, right? Yeah. So I think if I were to give you, if you were to go to a veterinarian, right, and you yeah. brought your, your, your dog and, and your vet said, well, you know what? I don't really like dogs. <laughs> I only like cats. So I'm going to give your dog a bunch of cat things, which means you're going to end up effing your dog, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to mess that dog up. It's the same with humans, right? So human children should be allowed to express what human children do. And if you go back to the hunter-gatherer evolutionary perspective of life, they should be allowed to or encouraged to do as much movement as they can. Crawling, climbing things. One thing I tell early uh, new parents, uh, too bad I just met you now, yeah. don't buy nice stuff for your house. That's <laughs> the worst idea because it... Not that our children are monkeys, but if I gave you a monkey and I said, I, I don't want you to let, I don't want, this shouldn't climb. So don't let it climb on anything. Right. You would say, that's crazy. It's a monkey. Yeah. It has to climb. So do the, so do your kids, right? Yeah. They, they have to move around. So I encourage a lot of movement and then there's little tricks of the trade in there. So for example, with my children, since they've been bored, they're born, there's no shoes or socks in my home. Like you're not allowed to wear shoes. You're not allowed to wear socks. If you're on our property, you know, of course, when we go outside, we wear shoes. But yeah. if you're on our property, <laughs> if you're playing in, in our yard, there's no shoes, no socks until it snows, of course. I'm not a mean parent. Um, <laughs> but that, that's one thing. Another thing is I encourage parents when their kids are on the floor sitting to watch TV, ask them to get up without using their hands just to encourage more mobility in their joints. Um, one thing that my wife and I have always done, if our kids start play fighting, that is not the cue for parents to come in and say, stop. I mean, every species of living creature, if you look at their children and they say, what do, you, what do they do to play? They play fight because that's a great way to learn about yourself and about someone else. So when two of my kids are going at it, I take one side, my wife takes the other, <laughs> and then we start yelling, get the underhook, take oh, the back. You know? That's great. So I, I encourage that. I encourage uh, kids should be put into training early that's just play-based. So my kids, for example, I always say dance, martial arts, or gym, gymnastics. Huh. That would be a, three early things. For gymnastics and dance, I always said that I'll put my kids in, into gymnastics until the coach tells them to land and put their arms up to get points. Got it. I don't need okay. them to be gymnasts unless they want to be, in that, that which case I would have left them. But just right. to get early movement practice, non-specialized sport practice, if you want to have a baseball pitcher for a little person, number one, you shouldn't want that. You should want a healthy little person. But if right. 
you love baseball. If you, if you really want to build a pitcher, you don't do that by, by specializing them early. You're doing them by giving them a large movement repertoire, a lot of you know move, movement-centric type things. And then you start to use systems like mine when you realize that civilized society hinders that type of motion and that type of ongoing play, in which case you inject it back into their joints and give them same types of stuff, cars, encourage mobility or range of motion type training. Yeah. Um, okay. That was a long answer. No, yeah. it's super <laughs> fascinating. And I completely okay. agree. Um, I just had a podcast uh, recently where the whole focus was on uh, the, the, the concept is free range parenting and uh, free range kids, allowing kids to be kids and to give them more independence. And that's yes, more yeah. kind of it from the, the mental and, you know, standpoint, this is more physical, but like you said, those are somewhat one in the same, right? Absolutely. So um, how about what I'm curious about is the difference between chiropractic care mm -hmm. and an, an approach like kin stretch? Again, I, I don't know because it, mm -hmm. chiropractic, I'm, a, I'm trained as a chiropractor yeah. and I think people get confused into thinking that that's a verb. Like mm -hmm. I go to get chiropracted um, <laughs> right. or I go to get physioed. I guess massage is kind of a verb. So I go to get a massage and people lump that in. But yeah. I don't, on a regular basis, remember that I'm a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. I just have a person in front of me and I say, what does this person need? You know, chiropractors manipulate the spine in order to care for ongoing problems in the spine. So in my world, if they need a manipulation, they get one. I tend to think that these passive modalities of treatment that we give people um, should be reframed as such. So I do do manipulation. I do functional range release. I have an entire system of how to treat people. And I'm saying this, that the treatment minus the active training, it, it doesn't accomplish anything. And I'm not even, I'm not out of my, my league to, to, to say anything. Like, I mean, you get pain relief. Um, it, it, it gets the system ready for training inputs. It pro soft tissue can prime the system. It can start to, um, you know, remold tissue, but all of this has to be added to an active training base. The body doesn't respond because I rub your arm for, for a minute and a half. It's going to respond over weeks and months to ongoing force input. So soft tissue therapy is one input, but you have to continuously reinforce that with proper movement hygiene, with, with movement input. So chiropractors that have studied with me and, and a lot of other chiropractors that, that I know of, they, they, they do this um, intuitively, right? Mm -hmm. So I would encourage people that there's no difference, but if you are working with a, a therapist, I always say that the therapist is supposed to be teaching you about yourself and, 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 and you and the therapist are in this relationship where they're supposed to be optimizing what your body potential is and then you're supposed to go grab that potential, right? I can, I can mm -hmm. set the stage, I can make something feel better, but it's then back to you to actually move it. And if you remember earlier, I said, the reason for your nervous system is to create complex adaptable movements. The way that you consciously think is movement. It's another topic that we could probably get into if we had more time, but we think in movement, our goal is movement. We literally cannot affect the outside world with anything other than movement or sweating. Right. Those yeah. are the only two things that we can do. So again, might have answered it, might have not. Yeah, What's no, the, absolutely. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great conversation nonetheless. But yeah. um, so what would you say is like one thing that you want people to understand about kin stretch? It is a, pr a body practice which helps you with yourself. So whatever your goal is, it, you want to do jujitsu, maybe, you know, you just had a little one. You want to get, yeah. you want to start, maybe you want to start jujitsu. That's awesome. I, I, you want to go to CrossFit. That's awesome. You want to do yoga. That's awesome. You, anything you choose to do, you do it with yourself. And because of that reason, your body deserves and requires more upkeep than most people give it credit for. And kin stretch, as far as I know, is the only organized system that makes you responsible for your own upkeep. So whether or not you know it or not, every time you're doing kin stretch, when you're doing your morning routine, which you would learn at a kin stretch class, you're taking inventory of what your body can do so that you, you, imagine your brain is always mapping out three dimensional space. 
And, and the only way it can do that is to take information from the meat, right? I always say the brain is sequestered in a dark, damp area of your body. Like it's <laughs> underneath bone. The yeah. only things that it has is information coming in or coming up from the body. And if you want to maintain a, a good map of the world, if you want to be able to move in the world under load and whatever exercise you want, you have to maintain the body's understanding of itself. Um, and it's much more important than people give it credit for. And kin stretch forces you to learn about yourself and it forces you to own up to what it is you can't do. And it forces you to, to not choose exercise based on that seems cool or seems yeah. fun, but it forces you to do it based on need. And if you train based on need, then you can start to layer on jujitsu and soccer or whatever other non-human things you like to you like to do with your body at a, on a regular basis that includes a lot of things you can do with your body yeah obviously. absolutely yeah. well i have two more questions for you okay, so one of them is the name of the podcast you know is your best life and the point of all this is that there's no such thing and you know but we all have different experiences and different priorities yes. that allow us to live our own version of our best life so if you had to pick something that has allowed you to live your best life what would that be um meditation if i had to give anybody a piece of advice um, I guess two pieces of advice. Uh, I would say do your cars or, or some kind of body practice to maintain and then meditate um, if only to have a perspective as to why you're doing anything ever. Um, and I think in, in this day and age, there's it's coming faster and faster coming that, that machines know us better than we know us. And it's it's very acutely important that we we learn about ourselves, especially if you have kids, and that they learn about themselves as early as you can before they're taught about themselves. Um, have you ever read uh, Yuval Harari's uh, work by chance? Yeah. No, I, I, I have people. I advise people to read okay. that because that'll get that point across. Um, and the only reason to know self, in my opinion, is to meditate. Uh, I remember Sam Harris, he said, he said, if you're not meditating, you're thinking about something else. And and that's the point. And the fact is, is that you wake up in the morning and you have this stream of thought that just goes. And until you start to step back and recognize that thoughts are just things that pass through this consciousness. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to get too deep. We only have yeah. a couple minutes no, left. No, it's go for it. <laughs> um, if you don't consistently remind yourself that thoughts pass through and mm. that you're a filter for sensory information and and. and I find it very difficult to have perspective on anything yeah. without gaining perspective on yourself. Beautiful. And my yeah. last question for you is okay. where can people find and follow you? Uh, I'm on Instagram at Dr. Andreo Spina. Um, same as on Twitter. Um, if, if you're interested in, in my seminars, the, the website is functional anatomy seminars. Um, it's, you know, you'll be taking seminars with doctors and, and chiropractors and trainers, but also people who are just interested in their body. So you can learn more about the seminars there. Uh, I have a podcast, uh, as well, control yourself podcast. Um, so control yourself with Dr. Andrea Ospina, if you're interested. Um, I, I tend to have a lot of conversations with people that I'm interested in having deep dives with and we yeah. talk, it, it gets a little technical, but mm. I hope what I've gotten across is that as long as you make it palatable, you can you can get across to a, a large base of people. Um, so you can find that and check me out there. Yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm not hard to find, I suppose. Yeah, amazing. Great. Well, this yeah. was so fascinating. Um, I really appreciate your time and I hope you stay safe and healthy out there. Thank you, you as well. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, guys, that was my conversation with Dr. Spina. Luca, what did you think? A very interesting conversation. A lot of information. Great information. Um, I think I need to do. I need to start doing some stretching, <laughs> some mobility. Luca, every day. Yeah, yes, there we go. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I definitely need to do that. Uh, <laughs> and you know, I really like how we will keep going back to the fact that we are Homo sapiens, and yeah. our species evolved in a certain way. Our body is in a certain way because we used to be gather hunters. I actually really yeah. like that. And we are supposed to move. We are not right. supposed to be sedentary. And we have this, and how this body is not actually evolved to today's society in the right, right. way, you know, because today's society is, you know, 
We are not, we're not moving, we don't move a lot. We actually socialize with more people we are supposed to. So I definitely like that approach a lot, that idea overall. Yeah. What I really loved that he said was about kids and letting oh, yeah. them just move and fight. And barefoot. And barefoot, yeah. I grew up with my, most closely, even though I have seven siblings, I grew up most closely with my older brother. And we, I grew up fighting with him. He like literally yeah, yeah. physically. And I've always just felt like, I don't know, like that, that, you know, not only was that a great childhood, but I think that it is great for your body and for kids and to learn about themselves and doing activity that isn't so focused on like, I mean, I don't know. I did grow up playing softball and I loved softball. So I don't want to like, you know, uh, you know, like bash on any sports or anything. I love sports. I love watching sports, but I do think that for kids like gymnastics and dance and martial arts, you and I were just talking about this. Martial arts. Yeah. We really want Aurora to get into martial arts. But for a different point, like we want her to be able to protect herself and, you know, like just be physically, you know, able and, um, so yeah, but also on the note of just, you know, moving her body. Yeah, you bet you get, I guess you get two birds with one stone, you know, you yeah, get them to move and to, you know, to be able to protect themselves, which is great. Yeah. In Italy, that saying, it's not two birds with one stone, it's two birds with one fava bean. Don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> with one fava bean? Yes. Oh my gosh, that's really funny. So, um, other than that, I think that Ken Stretch is a really great approach and it's something that, or system, Um, it's actually something that when I was doing some physical therapy for my hip flexors, I asked my physical therapist about it and they were like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Like, yes, absolutely. That's something, you know, that is great to do. So it was great to hear people that are also practicing in the field, you know, recognize that it's such a great system. So I hope you guys enjoyed it and got some great value out of this and go move your body, (laughs) go do some cars. Um, and yeah, I would love to hear what you guys think. So let us know on Instagram or in the Facebook group and we'll talk to you guys next time. And that is it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to share with a friend, spread the word and help us grow our tribe. Please rate and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes each week. You can also follow us on Instagram and join our Facebook group, both under the same name, Your Best Life Podcast, to keep the conversation going. You can also send me an email at yourbestlifepodcast at gmail.com and you just might be featured in a future episode. Your Best Life is a Gallery Media Group original production.